this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Morning. Over the next three Sundays, we're going to be hearing about stewardship. And you're going to get a chance to hear more about how you can serve and be a part of the ministry here at First Christian Church and how you can give and be a part of the ministry here in First Christian Church. But um, over these next three Sundays, I wanted you to have a chance to remember why why we do all this church stuff. In fact, this past Wednesday night, I was with a small group of leaders having a meeting about our future HVAC project, our capital project for a new heat and air conditioner, which I see some of you all fanning yourselves, and I promise this is not a tactic. This is, this is, one, of the, this is one of the reasons. Um, but uh, we were having this meeting, and here's a confession I'm gonna make about that. I don't especially enjoy meetings about HVAC. And in fact, if you get to the end of the year and they say, what was your favorite thing about this year? I will not say all the HVAC meetings I attended. I'm sorry, I won't. But, but during that meeting, while we were discussing this future capital project, uh, a gaggle of kids came walking down the hall and they were still singing their choir songs and they were laughing and talking to each other. And I thought, that's, that's why. That's why. Why we do this. Not because we love HVAC so much, but because of what can happen in this space and in this building when it's ready to receive people. And so I wanted to share stories over these next few weeks about why, to help us remember about why we do this. And we're talking about stories that show grace in action, stories that I hope help us to reflect on who the church is in the world, what we're supposed to be about, and what we should look like. And today's story is one of the most beloved stories Jesus ever told. I am confident you have heard this story before. It is absolutely one of my favorites. But this whole story got told by Jesus because Jesus was being um, hassled for the company he keeps. Pharisees, good religious types, scribes, good religious types, were were not happy with Jesus for his very low standards. He would hang out with anybody, tax collectors, sinners. He didn't seem to want to miss a meal, and he would have dinner with anybody. And it says that this fellow, it says in verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying to Jesus, this fellow welcomes sinners, and eats with them. Jesus responds to this criticism by telling three stories about lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and lost sons. And I invite you, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, to read along with me today in Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 11. And even though I know you know this story well, try to listen for some surprises in this story. Beginning in verse 11. 
And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brothers come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, here's a story I think on some level we can all relate to because it involves family. Family. You love them. They drive you crazy, but you love them. And maybe like this family today, your family also puts the fun in dysfunctional every now and then. This is a family that has a father and two sons, and they have got some issues. The youngest son, the baby of the family, how do I put this nicely? He's troubled, troubled. Something's gone wrong here. He seems cold, heartless, incredibly selfish, like somebody who thinks the world revolves around him. He pretty much tells his old man that he wishes he were already dead. Give me my inheritance that's coming to me. His dad is heartbroken, but he doesn't try to stop him. He gives him the money in advance, and he leaves the family farm. He leaves the farm, the life, the family that's depended on him, 
and it breaks his father's heart. But this younger son runs off to Vegas. Never looked back. Now, meanwhile, there's the older brother who tries to double down and work twice as hard in his younger brother's absence. He stays and listens as the father is sad and grief-stricken. He sees it all. He hears the rumors and the talk around town about his family. He faces every bit of it. The younger son's choices didn't just impact him. It affected them all. And in Jesus' day especially, what this son has done is worse than death. It is so shameful. Shameful. And maybe you too know the pain of a broken relationship in a family. It's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. Jesus says the younger brother squanders all his money on reckless living. We know what reckless living is, don't we? We don't. We don't need, Jesus didn't need to give us the details. We could figure it out. Reckless living is nothing to write home about. It's certainly not rated PG. The shame that it must have brought this family, what this younger son has done. And you know how this story goes. Certain time and certain place, this son finds himself with nothing and nobody. The bottom falls out. He has no money. He's homeless. He's hungry. It's in desperation that he finds himself living among pigs. We call this rock bottom. He's hungry and he's cold and he starts thinking about how even his dad's servants are living a better life than he is right now, and he decides to head back home and beg his dad to treat him as one of his hired hands. And even though it was his hungry belly that first motivated him, this week, somehow, some reason, I suddenly find myself surprised that he had the guts to do it in the first place. I wonder if he was nervous because he practices his speech, what he's going to tell his dad. He says, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He plans his speech. He practices his speech as he's heading back home. And he can see his dad's house in the distance when he spots someone running towards him. It's his dad. His dad is running frantically towards him. He hugs him, he kisses him, he tells him he loves him. The son starts his speech that he planned. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but he doesn't get to finish it. His dad is yelling to the servants, kill a calf, we're going to celebrate. Get the robe for his shoulders, get shoes on his feet because only servants are barefoot. Get the family ring back on his finger because my son was dead and now alive, was lost and now found. We are going to celebrate. He's home. He's home. We're celebrating. Church, Jesus is telling us again and again and again, lost sheep, lost coins, lost sons, maybe he repeats himself so that somehow, some way, it would finally actually sink in, that we would finally get it, that this is who God is. 
This is the nature of our God, a God who runs to you, a God who's so consumed with the joy of being found, there's no time for anything else. Once was lost, now is found. Our God is a God of open arms, grace in action. He tells us again and again and again. And if today you somehow find yourself relating to that younger son more than you'd care to admit, if you've ever found yourself wanting to just run away for the shame of it all, if you've ever messed up so badly that you desperately couldn't even imagine facing someone, I hope you know, I hope you hear today this message that he tells you, that his grace and his mercy is for you. You are not too broken, not too far gone, or too lost to ever come home. Our God is a God who keeps the porch light on just in case. Our God is a God who has a seat for you at the table. What joy the celebration is. A father who is ready to celebrate. But, but, the story Jesus tells isn't ending there. It's not the ending. <laughs> Because in this family, there's two sons. And where's the older son? He's out in the yard, listening to the music and the dancing and the celebrations going on back at his father's house. And he is furious. He is mad. He's been working hard. He was actually working in the fields when his brother came home. He has worked so hard. Where's the party for the brother who stayed? Where's the party for the brother who did all the right things? Sure, let him come home, okay. But make him sit at the servant's table. Don't put that ring on his finger too quickly. At least make him apologize to every single person he hurt. Maybe he needs to start earning back some of the money that he took from the family. He hurt them deeply. His dad may be a pushover, but this brother's not. He's not going to that party, he's not. The older son is standing in the yard listening to the celebrations going on inside that house and he is furious. He's the one who did the right things. Have you ever given someone advice? Maybe they even ask for your advice on a difficult situation and you tell your friend, here's what I would do. And your friend proceeds to do the exact opposite of what you suggested to them. And then when eventually it all comes crashing down around them and there's trouble, it's not that you wanted bad things to happen to them. It's not that you're happy, ooh, but it does feel good to be right. How many parents have ever said to their children, I told you so. It just feels good to be so right. He's not going to that party. He's got his principles. He's not. But this dad, this is a dad who's always searching, always hoping for the return of lost sons. And this time, he knows where to find them. So he leaves the party, and he goes out into the yard, and he asks his older son to understand and join the party because he had to celebrate today. 
His brother was lost and is now found, was dead and now alive. He tells him he loves him. All that he has, all that he owns belongs to him, but he had to celebrate today. So come and join the celebration. You see, this father has two sons, and he loves them both. Father Gregory Boyle out of L.A., I talk about him all the time. He really is one of my spiritual heroes. Tells a time about on a Saturday afternoon when he was in his office and he was spending some time alone between events like a funeral or wedding. And he was just catching up on things. And as a minister myself, I know how precious that time is to just actually get some thoughts together uh, quietly in your office. And he was doing just that and enjoying himself when this uh, lady comes rushing into his office and she flops down at the chair and says, I need help. And he leaned over and looked at the clock. It was seven minutes till one. He had to be going at one o'clock. He had somewhere he had to go at one o'clock and he sighed and this woman unloaded, I need help. She was well-known, prostitute, heroin addict, lived on the streets for a really long time. She had herself a reputation. She tells him she was 34 years old and she has been using since the day after her high school graduation. And she said, I've been trying to stop ever since the day I started. I need help. Felonies, probation, several treatment centers, none of it has ever worked. I've done it all. And she leaned back in the chair and put her head up and the tears just flowed out. And finally she looked down at him and she said, I am a disgrace. And Boyle says, and suddenly her shame meets mine. Because when she walked into my office that day, I had mistaken her for an interruption. It's mutual, she said. It's mutual. Of the three stories Jesus tells about lost things, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, it's the last story that Jesus decides to end differently. Like all the other stories before it, it has the same pattern. Something is lost, and then it's found, and there's a celebration. But this time, the story ends differently, because the host of the party is out in the front yard, begging his son to just come in and join the celebration. And that party isn't fair, is it? It's not fair. But grace never is. Amen.